people in our business no longer are just horsemen and cattlemen. Uh, yeah. They've got to, you know, our managers have got to be business managers. Um, one of the questions I actually ask in interviews now is, is how do you feel about going to the office? They've got to be recognising the value of the assets and managing these days that business acumen, ability to um, use technology to drive, help drive decision making of the enterprise they're managing. It's critical. That was Stuart Austin and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey. From wherever we are, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia, recognising their continuing connection to this land, its waterways, the stars in the skies since time immemorial. We pay our respects to the elders, knowledge holders and to all the generations of First Nations peoples who have nurtured their unceded sovereign lands for over 80,000 years and continue to do so today. G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott, an 8th generational Australian regenerative farmer and in this podcast series I'll be diving deep and exploring my guests' unique perspectives on the world so you can apply their experience and knowledge to cultivate your own transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with your host Charlie Arnott. G'day, welcome back to The Regenerative Journey, and in this episode, uh, I, I'll keep this intro brief, we uh, we did our, we've done, this is this is our first in-between um, episode, so there's a couple of um, monumental firsts here. Uh, one is the, um, uh, the sort of the panel session, uh, well, dare I say the panel session, myself, uh, Murray Richardson from Highland Beef and Stuart Austin from the Wilmot Cattle Company sat down uh, together, so that's the first kind of a time we've done that kind of an interview. But the more 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 significant thing I think is that it's a virtual one, the first one, which I think went pretty well. We zoomed it, and um, I think that's all going to the, the audio quality may not be quite as quite as good as um, the normal interview. But however, I'm sure the content will more than um, uh, account for uh, or um, make up for any quality issues that you might have or, or, or less, less lesser quality audio that you might be listening to. We had a wonderful chat actually with Stu. It was all, always, you know, like having a chat with him. He's a he's a very progressive, um, uh, the very progressive general manager of Wilmot Cattle Co. based at Wilmot at Ebor in the New England, sort of east of Armidale. Um, we got finger in the finger <laughs> management pie in the, in the management pie of the three other properties up in that sort of northern New South Wales part of the world. Stu and Murray and I chatted about, well, mainly Stu, who was the focal focal point of the interview, about technology, uh, technology in all its forms in the rural industry, in agriculture. Um, we, we spent a fair bit of time on digital because that's really quite a contemporary thing. Every day there seems to be another app to do this and do that. And we talked about Stu's application of those, um, his criteria for uh, like picking it up or not or, or dropping or putting aside um, technology and we did talk a little bit about other um, more, I guess, t- tangible material technologies used on the farm as well, up there in their in their cattle um, cattle operation. But it was it was really it was really interesting because I really appreciate Stu's. You know, he does good due diligence on things, and um, I had a pretty good list of the the apps and the technology he uses. Use a few of them myself. Um, thankfully, and find them very useful. Just to remind you, um, one last thing you might have heard the the ad at the beginning of the the um, episode. But our uh, our Your Regenerative Journey program, Farm Smarter Not Harder, unleash the benefits of regenerative farming for economic growth, 
ecological prosperity and farm business resilience in an uncertain future. It's going to be a ripper. You're probably hearing this very close to when it's actually launching. There may still be time for you to um, jump on board. You even even if you decide to get on board, and we've already had the first couple of uh, webinars or anywhere through the actual program as it starts, you might um, uh, certainly consider getting on board. I can see my two dogs running off into the distance. I better go and get them. Um, you might jump on board and still sign up and get yourself a ticket to the farm day or two. We've got a plus one offer going at the moment, but don't miss out on your opportunity to join us on our uh, Mastermind, Regenerative Agriculture Mastermind webinar series. And uh, here we go, Stuart Austin, Mary Richardson, for this in-between episode of The Regenerative Journey. G'day, welcome back to The Regenerative Journey. Uh, welcome to a world-first uh, episode of The Regenerative Journey. Um, for two reasons, it's it's our first in between uh, episode with our um, our sponsors for season seven, um, uh, Highland Beef. We have Murray Richardson uh, representing uh, as the principal um, and founder of Highland Beef. He's on the call uh, on the call. I keep forgetting I'm virtual. Um, he's 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 on the screen even. He's there. Hello, Murray. Yeah, good day, Charlie. How are you going? Welcome back to the Regenerative Thank Journey. Thank you. You yeah. appeared on episode 65 in season 65. six. Okay, there you go. 65. Um, as we sat in your home there in the Northern Rivers of New South Wales. And I also want to welcome Stuart Austin, Principal or General Manager of Wilmot Cattle Co um, in New South Wales. And um, Stuart was uh, episode 41 in season four, Stuart. Do you remember? Do you remember the... The, the the details of the room that we stayed in, or we, well, we didn't stay in together. We used for an interview um, in Tamworth there a couple of years ago. I do. G'day, Tally. Thank you for having me back. Uh, we, you know, if I was more organised, I'd have been. Um, we'd have been on the somewhere in Wilmot in our background tonight. Um, oh, you are, you are. Pleasure. You are exactly. <laughs> You've organised yourself to be in the paddock, as has Murray. <laughs> And I'm sensible. I'm in a nice sitting place. on a rock in the creek. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you both for joining us on this world first uh, virtual episode of the Regenerative Journey. It may be um, a sign of things to come. I just don't know. We'll just see how this one pans out. So you two are definitely guinea pigs um, in this sort of format, anyway. Um, so Stuart, we've we've invited you to be our guest. Um, given your uh, your experience, expertise and your responsibility there at Wilmot Cattle Co. Um, the topic of this discussion is really about, um, or technology um, broadly, but farm technology, um, and as Murray and I were chatting earlier about technology, you know, we really think that technology is, um, it's a pretty broad topic. You know, even if you just talk about farm technology, we've got sort of admin technology, we've got software technology, we've got a bit of hardware, all the way up to <clears throat> new machines, New ways of doing things, um, uh, new way to you know, operating uh, on farm, and so really the focus of this discussion, this interview, was around you know your experience with tech, um, and um, you know the good, the bad, the ugly, the experiences, um, what you're using, what you tried, what you want to get rid of. You know we've got a few questions we're just going to throw at you um, to start with. Murray, did you want to? Throw the first question at um, you know, given well, you, you know you sort of a bit of an interest of yours um, farm yeah. technology. Do you want to just start that um, start the ball rolling? Well, yeah. Look, uh, thanks, Charlie, and thanks, Stuart, for your time. Um, I th actually, Stuart, it might even be nice to sort of start. I mean, the thing that 
when we, you know, in our heart, even though we are a meat exporter, you know, we we use a lot of technology in the back end of our business to keep our costs low. Um, and it's always a challenge. You know, there's so many options. It's it's really about what do you choose or how do you choose what to think about or what to focus on. And maybe even starting there, Charlie, before we get to things about, you know, um, you know what's worked or what hasn't, because it is really about how you sift through the options. I think in you know in a really fast changing technological environment, and and Charlie's right. I mean, technology now is touching every element of our business, whether it's people, farming practices, pasture measurements, you name it. You can, you know, I suppose there are. You know, we we quite often look at what we do and think, do we are we overanalyzing? You know. And, and I think there is a bit of a trap there. But, yeah, you know, perhaps starting with, you know, what are the criteria that you use to think about for technology? Yeah, it's a really interesting topic. And um, and thank you, Murray, for thinking of me to, to um, have a yarn about it. The, uh, and you're exactly right. I mean, we can think about technology across a whole bunch of different realms. Um, yeah. I think it's something that we absolutely can't uh, ignore anymore in our day-to-day lives, uh, for better or worse. Um, I'm constantly uh, surprised or intrigued by people that I come across who are still fairly untechnology savvy. Uh, and I, and I, someone the other day commented, commented uh, or, on my Excel skills, which I didn't didn't um, think were particularly anything particularly flash or advanced. But um, for some reason, I seem to think so compared to most others. And, and it that's come about fairly organically in terms of. Um, I guess I just never ignored technology. I've always looked at uh, how I can um, get the most out of it. And so in our business, uh, it's uh, in every part of it. Um, so much so that when, now when we induct a new employee, I've got a list of about 10 or a dozen apps they've got to download going through the induction process from yeah. safety to um, grazing management to livestock management to chemical management to um weather, rainfall, uh, all sorts of things. Um, and so it's, and, and I'm often asked this question, how do you, how do you decide what ag tech to use? And there is a, uh, an enormous amount of ag tech coming out of us these days, which is terrific. It's really exciting. Um, there's a lot of innovation being brought to the fore, being put in front of us. It's a real challenge in agriculture because um, we're not like a, any kind of a factory outlet or a retail outlet or something that's repeatable. Every business is quite unique yeah. in, in its enterprise mix in yeah. um, whether you've got sheep or cattle or goats or ducks or chooks or pigs or they're all different shapes and sizes. They're all different ages and weights. They're, you know, there's nothing um, symmetrical about anything we do in our businesses. So um, there's three key questions that I always ask is, you know, when we, when we start looking for a piece of technology, what's the first one is what's the information we're looking for? Uh, and, and thus, what's the decision that we intend to make with that information? Um, the second one is, what's the value of that decision that we intend to make? So is it, you know, are we, are we trying to find something out so we can make a $200 decision or a $1,000 decision or a $100,000 decision? Um, and so then the third one is, what's the value of that technology? Uh, what's the cost of it um, relative to the value that it will create for our business? And so uh, there's some things we pay uh, a minuscule amount relative to the value of the decisions we make from that information. Um, and just about everything that we use, we can justify uh, a fairly significant return on that investment. Um, and I've tried a lot of things um, and, and said no to a lot of things as well before we even started, just said, you know, 
that's nice information to have, but I don't think I'm going to make a serious decision off the back of that information. Um, most of the things we have, we make uh, fairly meaningful decisions with it or um, they create a, a pretty meaningful return on investment. Yeah, okay. Do you, do you Stu, do you um, kind of, you know, you're in a situation where you go, we've got a technology gap here um, and you go searching for it or do you come across it? Uh, um, you know, bits of tech and go, oh, that'd be handy, and then you sort of do, or maybe it's a bit of both, you know, like, you know, that, that pathway to adoption um, can come from a couple of different different angles too. And I, I guess you're, you know, you, you're, you know, um, your, you know, reputation in the industry and kind of, you know, I'm sure that people are going, oh, you should try this and try that. You know, are you, are you, you may feel under some sort of pressure or obligation to use it, um, yeah, how, how do you sort of, um, uh, yeah, what's, what's the first step of that process? Is it sort of, yep. okay, you know, demand, why, as you, you yep. already sort of said there before? But, yeah, really good question, Charlie, and some of it has come about out of necessity. You know, we uh, I often talk about there's half a dozen metrics in our business that we need to manage, um, some within our control, uh, some not, being rainfall, soil, grass, cattle, money, and the market. And And so, you know, in the early stages of of our role within the business, there were some of those things were non-negotiable, things around livestock software, um, individual animal management software. So we use Sapien in that regard. Um, you know, they were non-negotiable. That's really important information for, for us to have. Um, we can measure our performance. We can, uh, as a production performance as a business, um, individual animal performance, uh, and we trace that in all sorts of ma- manners around where those cattle came from, where they went to, what breed they were, what sex they were. What way we bought them at, what way we sold them at, where we sold them to, you know, there's a whole bunch of learning that comes out of all that data. So that was, you know, it was kind of a necessity and a non-negotiable. On the other end of the spectrum is absolutely, um, oh, I don't know, almost every week, I reckon, someone or, or somewhere along the line, I come across some new piece of information or new technology and think, you know, that's interesting. You have a look at it, think about what application might have to the business. Um, had an example here today in, in uh Brisbane, actually, the Nature Based Solutions Conference, where um, hearing from Sarah's tag, uh, and there we're talking about uh, methane emissions and using an OptiWay, um, they're now able to marry up uh, animal production, feed intake, um, therefore methane, feed efficiency, therefore methane uh, efficiency of each individual animal which is pretty powerful information. And this whole conversation around methane at the moment in our industry and around the world, um, that's we're starting to get somewhere um, pretty meaningful there. Uh, I went and had a yarn to the bloke about um, the cost of that technology. We've got an OptiWay, but to Sarah's tag, and, uh, and he explained to me the cost of per tag. Um, and at this stage, I don't think it's worthwhile us investing in that technology because it's cost prohibitive relative to the value of the, of the information that it will give us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's certainly no additional opportunity for us to be selling a, a lower methane emitting animal yet. No doubt it's coming somewhere down the track, but um, at the moment the technology is more expensive than, than what we could potentially make in terms of return from it. So they're, you know, and they pop up every day. Um, there's another thing this afternoon where, uh, where I was this afternoon and and I actually spoke to these guys in Adelaide at the um, Evocag, a, a mask that turns methane into CO2 and water before, it, uh, as it comes out of the animal, the animal wears a mask in the paddock. Um, it 
absorbs the methane and turns it into, and it can measure exactly how much methane is being emitted every day. Uh, Simon was telling us all about it. He's very excited about it. Said, you know, he's just travelled around the world on a Churchill Fellowship. Um, and he said it was the most promising, most exciting uh, technology he's seen. It's been tested all around the world for the last five years. There's some big companies who are investing in it. Uh, said, you know, it's it's something that actually has potential in terms of um, being able to reduce um, methane that gets into the atmosphere. It's still coming out of the animal, but converting it back to CO2 and water before it actually gets back into the atmosphere, I suppose. So, <clears throat> uh, you know, it's interesting. You, you come across these things every day and it's, and the, it's just that constant um, inquisitiveness, interest. You know, I do. I suppose I enjoy technology. I see, you know, what benefit it's brought to our business and our lives. Um, so I'm always intrigued by, by different things like that. But it's interesting. Oh, you go, So it's interesting, Stuart. You, you mentioned before, you know, um, you're surprised when you come across people that perhaps haven't introduced a lot of technology into their businesses. And actually, your spreadsheet example is an interesting one. I I use them all the time. I don't actually. I see people and they make these magnificent spreadsheets, and I think, oh, gee, I I could save so much time, or I could do whatever. But I mean. I can get done what I want to get done, and I'm at a reasonable level. So I actually built a pivot table today that it, that was quite um, actually worked. It, it, like I, okay. I, I felt somewhat smarter ten minutes later after right and this information over the pivot table. And it's <laughs> is it, I mean is and you know as an employer of people apart from a manager of a business, I mean do you do you look at do you look at people's preparedness to actually um, use technology as one of the things you want to employ for? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, you know, uh, because it's all about attitude, everything's about attitude. Um, and so that's, it, it, you know, um, people in our business no longer are just horsemen and cattlemen. Uh, yeah. They've got to, you know, our managers have got to be business managers. Um, one of the questions I actually ask in interviews now is, is how do you feel about going to the office? Uh, right. If someone tells me, oh, God, I avoid it like a plague, can't stand it, pretty, uh, you know, it's an it's a X against the answer to that question. Um, they've got to be recognising the value of the assets and managing these days that business acumen, ability to um, use technology to drive, help drive decision-making, uh, you know, of the businesses, of the enterprise they're managing, it's critical. Um, we can't ignore it anymore. So I don't expect all our guys to be Excel wizards, but they've got to be able to, you know, work their way around a spreadsheet and understand how to build a budget and all those sort of things. Uh, do a cost-benefit analysis on something that they're proposing, um, you know, properly cost out CapEx programs, et cetera. Um, so they're, you know, some of those things are fairly basic little spreadsheets, but we need to be able to, they need to be a professional manager that I can then put that information in front of our directors and say, Here's a $100,000 CapEx program. Here's the breakdown on where the costing is going to be. Um, you know, and these are some of the alternatives we've looked at. And so we think this is the best um, best program to go with. So, you know, our guys have got to be able to do that these days and, you know, considering the value of the assets they're managing. Hmm. What is more such a way of thinking as anything else? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Stu, um, tell us, you said, uh, you mentioned you had a number of, of programs or bits of tech in your tech stack was an expression I think you used the other day when I was chatting with you about some tech. Can you give us a bit of a rundown on, um, you know, in your business, um, cattle business, you know, what are the things you've found? Well, what are the things you're actually using that, that are just like a no-brainers? 
um, and anything that you you might have picked up recently that um, you've added to that tech stack that has just recently come along that you you know complements everything else. Um, yeah, give us a bit of a bit of a list of um, you know of, of what you you think is standard tech that, that you know good operators should probably consider having. For sure, uh, and if I work my way down through those aspects of the business from a rainfall perspective, we use Farmbot. Um, we've been quite involved with Farmbot from the outset. Um, we've tried a lot of their uh, monitors. It was one that um, we had telemetry, water telemetry in our budget for probably three years, I reckon, before I settled on Farmbot. And, uh, we, our, you know, at Wilmot, for example, where all our um, paddocks now have a, uh, a trough in them and we've got a reticulated water system right through the whole farm. Once or twice a year, we'd turn up in a paddock on a Saturday afternoon, there'd be a thousand heads standing around a trough that had run out of water and we didn't know about it. Uh, mm. and, and that impact over the following week or 10 days as they recover from that stress um, is significant. You know, you've only got to, you lose half a kilo a day and a thousand head a day for seven days at three bucks a kilo. That's an enormous amount of money and cost um, in lost production. So, um, this, the reason we settled with Farmbot, it's so simple. We literally, they send us a monitor in a box, you drill a hole in the top of the tank, you drop the sensor in there, you turn it on and you're on, away you go. And so we've got them all over all our farms now. It measures rainfall. Um, more importantly, it's monitoring our water system all, at all times. So we've got alerts set at 80%. Um, so if a tank gets below 80%, because all our systems are set up on a pressure switch, um, you know, as soon as a, a trough valve float opens, uh, the um, float opens in the tank, so the pump kicks in, so the system is always full. Uh, so if it gets to 80, you know, down to 80%, we've got some sort of an issue. And so knowing we never run out of water because we always know that we've got an issue well before we get to the point of running out of water. And I worked it out one day. We had a, a oh, within about three weeks of getting out, I reckon, I got an alert at about 5.30 in the afternoon. Uh, I was around at the other end of the farm, slipped around there. You know, we'd all knocked off and gone home. I slipped back around there. Bunch of sale cattle had knocked a float off a trough that didn't have a cover on it. Um, they, they would have been a lot more shrunk the following day going on a truck. Uh, and I think that day I worked it out to say it was 14 or 15 grand just in not a shrink that we didn't lose yeah. for, a, I don't know, it cost us 1800 bucks or three grand or something to set up Wilmot with our initial monitors and, and rain gauges and so forth. Uh, so straight away paid for itself and, you know, probably for the next three years. So um, that was a, that's a no-brainer to us in terms of being able to monitor our water systems, which are absolutely critical. Um, on our soil side, um, uh, we use FarmLab now. Um, we were using, just had all our data stored in on um, Dropbox, uh, concerned about the reliability and security of that and, and also the additional functionality through FarmLab. Um, the same thing, we got a pretty close association with Sam in Armidale um, on that front. And because our soil information had evolved from just being 15 centimetres to all kinds of different depths, different sites, different times of year, we've got such an enormous database of soil testing information. Now we needed somewhere, um, you know, more secure, but also more functionality around what we can do in time with that. Uh, grazing, um, so my grazing was actually built at Wilmot. Um, we're a very, uh, that's one of our sister businesses that's owned by the MacDoc Ag Group as well. Um, it's a, uh, that one is, is a no-brainer for us, not because we own it, but because of the value of the decisions we make with it. 
you know, with the forecasting tool in there is the most powerful um, part of my, in that our guys have just written a budget now um, for the next 12 months and they're determining um, off a, a forecast rainfall of 75% of long-term average when they'll need to be selling cattle in January and February and March next year. Um, you know, they're multi, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of decisions that they're making six months in advance because they can see that um, if we still have X number of cattle uh, in January, February, or March, we're going to be well over our uh, long-term benchmark carrying capacity. So they know there's going to have to be sales in that period of the year um, and how many sales it's going to need to be. Uh, and, you know, like I say, they're hundreds of thousands of dollars, half million dollar decisions that they're making now well in advance when they need to make them. That forecast is updated every month. Um, so, they, you know, as rainfall changes, we get more rainfall, we get less rainfall, we grow more grass, we grow less grass. Um, the guys are constantly reviewing those decisions. Um, but for my cost is 200 bucks a month, uh, over 8,000 uh, hectares, about six or 8,000 head, depending on the season. Um, fairly sizable business for 200 bucks a month. It's a, it's a no-brainer when we're making that sort of decisions off that. Um, so that's a pretty core part of, uh, of what we have. Um, Sapien, I talked about from an individual animal management perspective, um, all our financial information is zero for that, which is, a, which is fairly mm. common these days and fairly standard. Uh, what else? Um, Do you figured with ones. zero there, Stu? No, we have looked at it uh, and we just haven't been able to quite make it work <clears> for <throat> us. Yeah, right. So stock, stock, you can do stock inventory in zero, or you rely yeah. on Maya. No, we do it in zero as well. You do stock inventory in zero. That's interesting. I don't do it. The girls yeah, are right. do that. Yep. Uh, yeah, cool. All the girls in the office, but um, so they're probably the main ones. The um, have a look at my phone here to think of what other apps I've got on here. Uh, they're the main ones, I suppose, that we use across all our farms that, you know, as soon as we sign on a new employee, they get logged into all those, they download the apps to all those. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're pretty core to the business. Any apps there? Because I'm a big fan of useful apps. Uh, Apart from those ones you mentioned that are coming in app form anyway, like mine or something. No, I don't think so. Uh, they're all linked to the... The technology we're using. Safe Ag Systems yeah. is the other one we use for all our safety. Safe Ag Systems, yeah, right. Yep. Um, so all our that's all, safety thing, is it? Yeah. So our our policy, our OHS policy had always been on my hard drive, uh, printed out. Um, you know, every time we had someone inducted a visitor or a or a mm -hmm. contractor or something, it was on a piece of paper in someone's filing cabinet in someone's office. We put all that in the Safe Ag, so now uh, our guys can induct people on their phone. Um, it's all stored in the cloud. Uh, it's in a central database, um, much more reliable for us. Um, so that's pretty helpful. Uh, and another one, actually, this is a bit random, but it's free and God forbid we never have to use it. But in talking about safety, the um, Emergency Plus app is the other one that we have all our guys download. Uh, the Fire app. It's called Emergency Plus, and so um, okay. it's very basic. If you're, if we have an emergency and someone is out of range, they can, or even if they're within range, they can open that app and, and press the button, and it'll call triple zero, and it uses the what three words uh, concept for identifying exactly where you are. That every square meter in the world now has three words attached to it. Uh, 
Um, so all you have to do is tell emergency services those three words instead of trying to read out a latitude and longitude or describe a, an address somewhere on mm. a farm somewhere in the middle of nowhere. You just tell them those three yeah. words and, and um, they'll turn up. Like I say, we've never had to use it. God forbid, I hope we never need to. Yep. But it's a handy one. That it's you know, it's free and it's simple and it's easy. The guys get on their phone and um, if they need to, they can. Yeah. Yeah, right. Just one one sort of um, question relating back to old tech. Do you use two O radios still? You, you do. use it? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yep. 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 And, and the other thing we've accompanied with that is um, little spot uh, GPS um, tracking. Yeah, they're like a they're like a EPIRB basically, and they're half the size of your phone. The guys have the UHF on one side and the holster and the little GPS. Um, EPIRB and other holsters. Oh, yeah. So uh, same thing. We've never had to use them, but they've got three buttons on there, and one of them rings triple O straight away. If they've got a broken leg, uh, lying in a paddock with no phone service, no radio comms, um, they can press the button and the ambulance will find them. Yeah. Any text you that um, you've worked, you've used, you've picked up, um, and you've just thought that was not a good decision. You, you may not necessarily want to or need to name. A particular business or anything, but the the, the only one, the, the only one, Charlie, no, the one that the, comes to mind there um, yeah. is uh, there hasn't been too much that we've used and discarded, but the one that comes to mind that I've never justified, and I actually didn't pay for it because it was a trial, uh, was a weather station. Um, if you're in a cropping situation, uh, you could probably justify having an on-farm weather station. You know, it was one of those things we toed and froed, whether we needed it or not. Really, I just want to be able to tell people how cold it was. Uh, you know, and what the wind chill was, um, and we'll want in the middle of winter, as it turns out. Um, you, you know, you, you know how, you know, what wind chill is. It <laughs> pretty well. Uh, and so, like I say, and, and um, it was actually the farm guys, they were looking at different weather stations because they were getting a little bit of inquiry about it. I actually don't think that was commercialised because they, we've still got it at home. I never even look at it anymore. It's still sitting in the paddock. Um, yeah, the, it, it didn't really have any relevance to us in a grazing context. Um, so that's probably one thing that, you know, some people have them, they like to have them. Um, I couldn't really demonstrate any value in it. Is there, Barry, do you have another question there? I'll jump. I'll no, 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 wait no. I'm just saying, is there, um, is there some, some tech that you would like to see that you, that doesn't exist or you don't think exists that you actually go, shit, we really need, if there was a thing that did this, It'll be awesome. Is there any is it things that you you know you're in a situation at Wilmot and you go, gee, it'd be lovely to have a app that did XYZ. Yeah. Um probably talked about that a bit within our business. And the, the one that comes to mind, it's a I don't know what it looks like at this stage, but it's um beyond lifetime traceability of an animal in terms of a nil's tag and an EID tag goes with an animal through its life, but uh, having access to the information that's attached to that NILS tag right through the supply chain. So without having to contact the feedlot or the processor, um, mm. getting uh, animal, whatever animal data is connected, uh, collected against that EID, doesn't matter who collects it, that you have access to that, to that animal dies. So I don't, I'm not sure what that looks like yet, but you know, uh, Power BI is, is generating some pretty informa interesting information. We've been using that. Um, Sapien also has a, a 
BI dashboard. Um, we've just started using a bit of black box uh, tech as well um, and their BI stuff. So uh, that's part of it, but we still got to chase data and get it put back in there. And if somehow we could um, access all the data that's ever recorded against an EID through its lifetime, mm. uh, that'd be pretty powerful information for us to be able to um, look back retrospectively on every animal that's come through our system and find out where the most efficient animals, where the most profitable animals, you know, where the most desirable animals have come from, uh, where they've ended up, what happened in the meantime uh, in that respect, I suppose. So that's probably something, a, a nut that we haven't quite cracked yet, but mm. um, something that I think would be beneficial, not just us, but to industry. Mm. Just just jumping on, um, getting away from the um, the, you know, the digital sort of techie stuff. Is there any bits of gear, you know, like operational gear that you've you've introduced um, in the last twelve months? That you just go, oh my god, why didn't we get one of them five years ago? Well, I haven't quite made that expression yet, but we did. Uh, I did buy an Optigo the other day, okay. and um, this took me. I was wondering uh, how long it was going to take you. To well, do this. Oh, this is. I rang exactly you a couple of years point, ago. Well, no. I don't see the return on investment. Was, yep, and I've had that conversation with Bill Mitchell a few times. Don't worry, Bill, this is this. He'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, in terms of um, in our system where we run mobs of up to 15 head and they're moving just about every day, um, working out how much data that unit needed to collect daily and what the uh, how capable it was to collect enough data every day for us to be for it to be giving us meaningful information. So. Um, I reckon I had three or four conversations with Bill about this for at length, uh, and in fact, he rang me very early on when he was first developing it, asking if we'd trial it. Um, and for a long time, I just thought there was another job for us to have to do. Um, over the years, we built a fairly good understanding of ADG through the farms, through different times of year, through different seasons, through different classes of animals. You know, we're, we're generally not far off the mark when we bring cattle to the yard. Uh, what tipped me over the edge was um, talking to some of the guys uh, from Paraguay who are using them a lot and how they're using them in terms of um, recognising when cattle are, are ready to be sold, being able to see that without having to go to the paddock and put cattle through the yard. Mm. Uh, and the other part was in, in at home, in fact, earlier this year, um, went to draft a line of sale cattle, uh, had cattle booked in to go, um, expected they were doing 0.7, they came to the yards and they're doing 1.2 or 1.3, and and um, which was quite surprising. And I thought, geez, if I'd have known that information ahead of time, um, a we might have sold cattle earlier, or b when I started drafting, I would have drafted from a you know a, a different a higher mm -hmm. bottom weight. So um, so we got one. Uh, it's working its way around the farm. It's only been there for a few months. It's been with a couple of different mobs. Um, it's really interesting to look at that little daily email that I'll get every day. I've got it and I think I went to, um, I reckon I got it and we went to New Zealand for two weeks and I got back and I rang, uh, I sent Bill a message and I was going to send it back to him because my cattle were not doing as well as I thought they were and he just made me worry for two weeks. <laughs> uh, so that was, and that was always my joke. I said, I think you're just making people worry more, Bill. You're making people stress because I look at that thing and I think they should be doing yeah. kilo and they're doing 0.7, so what am I going to do, you know? And, uh, Used in the right context, I think it, um, it's a pretty valuable piece of tech, and and um, I think I mentioned there earlier around that you know the, when we can start to marry up information between it 
and service tag and then looking at feed conversion efficiency and therefore methane efficiency and uh, I think there'll be some really valuable um, it'll, it's, it's value will start to come through um, and it's placed in our system so uh, yeah it's, it's been interesting um, and it's still like I say um, you know we've, we're still finding our way with it and finding the value in it um, it took us a little while to adopt that technology but um, I think I was trying to justify you know, what is the return on the investment? What, what's the payback period on on the purchase cost of it? So, mm. uh, <clears throat> we, we 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 bought one couple of, oh, early last year. We had we had cattle on adjustment at Tottenham, and we we took it out there, and it was great because we could just see exactly what they're doing. And we told the yep. the, the the chappy there said, "Look, they're ready to go," and why they went, and we got yep. in before the asked for that of the market. Thank, thankfully. Yeah. Um, conscious of time, Stu, and that you have an appointment with some people that are, the you know, somewhere, <laughs> a restaurant. No, you're going, to, you're going for dinner, right? Steakhouse in Brisbane. Looking for you are. To. So we, we probably should think about it. But just before you leave, um, before I thank you, you are a um, you're a, a Highland beef um, a farmer. You're part of the you're one of the members, one part of the crew. How, how's that gone for you? How, when did you get some the Highland beef cattle um, arrived there? How long ago at um, Wilmot or elsewhere, and and how's that sort of process? Um, how's that been going? Uh, very good, Charlie. We um, so it would be a bit over twelve months, or nearly twelve months, I reckon, since we've had cattle. We've got cattle at Wilmot um, at Ebor, and also down at Morocco at Gunnedah. Uh We've had steers at Morocco, we've had heifers at Wilmot, um, and it's been a good process. It, you know, a big part of my job is managing risk. Um, Wilmot is worth a considerable amount of money these days, and and uh, um, you know, I'm answerable to to that to the value of those assets and the and the um, financial return on them. Uh, and so, a big part is managing risk, and and we all know how much risk there's been in the market in the last three years. Uh, and so, we've often used adjustment cattle um, over the years, either uh, other cattle, others, you know, someone else's cattle on our farms, or we put cattle on adjustment elsewhere to take advantage of an opportunity at a, at a certain time. So, um, and being rewarded uh, or being paid on a backgrounding rate as opposed to an adjustment rate, the difference being adjustment is typically a per head per week rate um, as opposed to uh, a backgrounding rate being paid per kilo of live weight gain. The benefit in that is that incentivizes the landowner to ensure those cattle perform. Um, I also really like the hybrid model that, that we now have with hybrid around and with Highland beef around um, a per, you know, a, a yeah. per head a week rate as you go plus that kilo rate. Uh, it's a low risk strategy for us. Um, they've been really good cattle. They've performed pretty well. Um, well, I think they have. Murray will be able to tell you whether they've performed. Yeah, they have. Or not. But, no, um, uh, and it's been, a, you know, in the last six months, the way the market's gone, it's been a, a, a quite a profitable enterprise for us relative to some of our other enterprises um, in the trade game. So, um, and there's no risk attached. So, we're, you know, we'll certainly, uh, as we've been cycling cattle out, we'll cycle some more back in through the springtime. Um, and it's yeah, we really enjoy it. So uh, it's a great model, and it's something we're very closely aligned with in terms of the fact that they're all grass-fed. Um, they're they're being sold as a grass-fed animal. Uh, you know, it's something that that um, we really believe in, so it fits well. Good work, thank you for that, Stu. Uh, Murray, any closing remarks, questions there before we let we release Stu to uh, get a bit of good yeah, grass-fed beef? I hope you guys enjoys a nice grass-fed steak. Um, yeah, look, thanks for that, Stuart. Thanks for your time. And, um, yeah, look, hopefully, uh, given that we've, 
increase the rate that we're paying per kilogram in the next, or you know, from here on, you know, um, the program will continue to work well for you. But um, now, look, thanks for your insights on the whole technology thing. It's it is such a huge, you know, um, sort of. Well, there's just a, so much development happening, and you know, I mean, farm businesses or agricultural businesses don't tend to have big corporate offices that can get out and do a lot of this thinking and look at the alternatives. So I think, you know, and look, we, whenever we have farm days, I mean, we had one recently that Brent attended, you know, over there and it, the swapping of ideas, whether it's through podcasts like this or, you know, on farm, they're just um, fantastic ways to get messages out there on how to, you know, do things smarter, not harder. Yeah, that's exactly that. that you, you nailed it there, Murray. Uh, yeah. That's exactly what it's about. So um, thank you for the invitation. And um and good on you, Harlan Beef, for supporting Charlie's podcast because, as you just alluded to, it's become a really uh, valuable resource for everyone in the industry uh, to learn from. So good on you, Charlie, and um, and well done, Murray, for continuing to support it. Yeah, good on you. Thanks for that. Thanks, Stuart, uh, for your insight there. And, Murray, thank you for the opportunity to um, to interview um, uh, Stuart again through your, your sponsorship and support of the Regenerative Journey. Um, as I said, this is a... Well, first, uh, I think it went reasonably well. Um, I think we'll do some more, Murray. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> we might be hard. We might be hard to find a better guest, but we'll do our best. Um, now we have got a few things lined up in the future. So, for your listeners and viewers, um, stay tuned for the next um, in between episode of uh, in the regenerative journey lineup for season seven. Stuart, we'll let you get off and get some um, uh, grasshead beef into you. Um, Definitely choose the Diane sauce. I don't have a steak at a pub without Diane. It'd be rude not to. Um, and Murray, uh, we'll be chatting soon about the next uh, in-between episode, no doubt, and preparing for that one. So both yeah. of you have a lovely evening. Thanks again. And um, we'll be uh, we'll talk soon and we'll um, looking forward to get this episode out of the regenerative journey. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Thanks Charlie. Thanks, Murray. See you. Talk soon. Cheers. And next week on The Regenerative Journey, I speak with John Grant, Dr. John Grant, from Southern Cross University up there at Lismore in the Northern Rivers of New South Wales. I'd known John for a couple of years, worked with him uh, on a few little projects up there, soil farming-related projects, and what a, what a lovely bloke. He's a, he's a classic, an absolute font of information. And the lovely thing was, a bit like Nicole Masters, we did spend time talking about soil, but we spent a lot of time talking about other things connected with soil, which made put a lot of colour, I think, and a lot of lot of interesting little tidbits along the way. Next week with John Grant, Dr. John Grant, on the regenerative journey. This podcast is produced by Reese Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate, and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.